Hey, welcome back to the Relentless Positivity Podcast. We've got another awesome guest here today, my friend Jill Falling. So she is an Uplift Effect Coach and Consulting, LLC is the name of her business. And she also has a podcast, Uplift Effect Podcast. She's also a grief and trauma expert. She's got a lot of interesting things, a lot of interesting backgrounds she's going to tell us about. So Jill, thank you so much for coming on. Well, thank you for having me. I really am truly excited. I don't always get to be on this side. <laughs> yeah, it's nice, right? Yeah, hosting your own podcast is much. It's sometimes nice to be a guest, right? So, yeah, let's talk it about. Is. I mentioned earlier. So, uh, tell people a little bit about your background. Not many people have the experience that you have. Yeah. Well, so I educationally am a grief and trauma therapist, and I got a master's degree in clinical psych and had the wonderful blessing of working here locally at the Children's Advocacy Center. So if you're familiar with that, that could be unfortunate, but it is a facility that is all worldwide. We just happen to have the national headquarters here in Huntsville, which is a really cool gig to get. Um, and so I worked with children who were sexually molested, sexually abused, uh, physical abuse, and severe neglect. And so I spent um, some years working with children doing a thing called trauma-focused cognitive behavior therapy and helping them to navigate the terrain of the trauma that they had been through, whether it was sexual abuse, physical abuse, whatever. Interestingly enough, um, every time I would be working with um, a child, I would typically interview their parents, most often their mother. And every time I had a sexual um, abuse case, I asked the mother of this child, do you potentially um, happen to come from a background of sexual abuse? Every time the answer was yes. Wow. So it doesn't take too long. I mean, I'm not the sharpest, you know, tool in the, in the box, but eventually you begin to notice there's a common denominator here. Right. And so I was like, gosh, there is something up. I went to my supervisor and I was like, is this genetic? <laughs> like, what is the deal with this is happening in family generations? And many of the women would self-disclose that their mother was also a victim of sexual abuse. And I'm like, we got to do something about this. And I really felt like that my place was with children. And for a while it was. But then eventually I was called to do uh, the next uh, best thing, which is death and dying. <laughs> and so um, <laughs> I, it, there's a story there. But anyway, I worked um, in the ICU units at all in, all in North Alabama, and it was through the avenue of organ donation. So I would go in with a family who was facing an imminent death. I would explain to them uh, what brain death meant, what it looks like in this case, that their loved one had a non-survivable injury, and walk them through the beginning processes of the worst days of their life. And so I worked with families in crisis for a lot of years uh, doing that and giving death notifications um, and, and, and just helping them to understand what was going on, what had happened, giving them information and talking to them about the potential of organ donation. Uh, then the pandemic happened and my life needed to pivot again. And I still carried this thing inside of me about this issue with these children and family generational uh, curses for a better lack of better word and I this summer put together a huge parenting academy with 28 worldwide international speakers which I would never recommend anyone to ever do that <laughs> it was really really hard work and um, I discovered that 
many therapists, many, many authors are spending their life working this very issue because we've never been parents before. We've just been parented. And so what happens is unless we've had healing, unless we've had counseling or coaching or whatever, our natural position is to go back to our default pattern. So naturally, we then replicate what was done to us unless we have been taught something different. So parents are very discouraged. They don't know what to do in parenting. They struggle with death and dying and grief and, and all the things that happen in life. Um, and they don't know how to talk to their kids about it. They don't know how to help their kids through it. They don't always know how to protect their kids from things because they didn't have that modeled for them in their life. So as I began that journey um, in that uh, parenting academy that I put together, I had many, many authors and they all said, you need to write a book. You need to write a book. Like, and I was like, what? Well, the reason that came about is because I'm a single parent of four kids. I have three boys and a girl. And I realized that through the process of helping other parents in their parenting journey, I had something that I was doing in my parenting journey that was really, really working. And I feel very passionate about it. And that was using the avenue of sports to help teach and raise and grow my children who were all four very, very different and needed very, very different uh, things. They all had different strengths and weaknesses. And I discovered that sports can fit any equation. And so now I am really kind of adjusting my podcast. I'm working on a book. I'm adjusting my podcast, still doing a lot of parenting support. I still talk about death and dying and grief and how to talk to children about those things and how to get kids through divorce and all of these really life complicated things, how to develop relationships with our kids, how to get our kids to talk. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't seem like it should be so hard, yeah. but it is, it is actually hard. So, um, but I'm now also incorporating what I have done with sports as an athlete myself, but also then with my children as a coach to them, as I have coached them, and then in their own sports individually, and how that has been an incredible tool in raising my kids. Man. So that's the long story long. <laughs> yeah, th that's an interesting, but so you've had some of the most awkward conversation, difficult conversations <laughs> ever, right? Is there anything you're not comfortable talking to someone about at this point? No. No, matter of fact, the funniest thing about that, Joe, is I used to say, really, um, I make a living at giving like the, the worst news ever, like yeah. the worst conversation you could ever imagine to tell a parent your child has reported sexual abuse. And oh, by the way, it's your dad. <laughs> yeah. That's not easy. And um, and your child has a non-survivable injury and is now uh, progressing to brain death and is not going to recover. I mean. And, and they're 19, <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean, yeah, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Tough work. Very, very tough work. Yeah. So that makes it a little bit easier to do anything else in your life. I'm sure. So That's uh, right. do you work with a lot of parents? What, yeah, are, some, way easier. <laughs> so what are some, uh, what are some common parenting mistakes that you see that probably all do that you kind of see that kind of a, a general that all of us make, what are some mistakes we're all making as parents? You know, I think one of the easiest things not to bash on parents, because my message is always about giving hope, encouragement, support um, and inspiration to parents. I want parents to feel empowered to step into their role as a parent. 
But what happens is, as I kind of alluded to, we end up in a default pattern. Typically, we parent how we were parented. And if that was really good, great. But oftentimes, my experience has been that most of the time, that's not the case. It wasn't good. And even the best of parents have things about that that still there's no perfect parenting. We're not going to be either. So one of the things I see happening is um, struggling to know, for instance, what are boundaries? What do healthy boundaries look like? Parents have a very difficult time knowing where their child begins and ends and where they begin and end. And I'm guilty of the same thing. The, a common example is when my child is hurt, I can't decide who hurts worse. <laughs> that <laughs> yeah. me. Yeah. Right? And that's just part of parenting. That's being very connected to your children. Well, that really, really can cloud how we discipline our children, how we interact, how we talk to them. A lot of times parents will say, all of a sudden I hear myself saying the same thing to my kid that my dad said to me that I hated. And I swore I would never say. And out of frustration, I ended up repeating the same thing. And so there is hope. We can parent our kids differently if you were not parented in a way that worked out well for you, that you want to do different. You can. You can learn new skills and it's never too late. Yeah, I've heard you describe that a lot of us are wounded children raising children now. So is that something we need to fix ourselves first? Is that where it starts? I mean, where, where would you start from square one for something like that? Yeah, there's a book called and a phrase called hurt people, hurt people. Sure. Yeah. And that's true. Now, I mean, um, and so, yes, that's why I did this huge parenting academy this summer, because the truth is, until we work our issues, we are still going to be working out of a broken bucket. I mean, you know, we just are. And so we're not going to see clearly. We're not going to see that we are actually hurting our child when we say something to them that's critical out of our own pain. So an example, common example that happens between mothers and fathers sometimes with their daughters is they'll say, ooh, I don't know. I think I would change that outfit. That doesn't look so great. Or I don't know if that looks so good on your butt. <laughs> Can I say that? <laughs> you know, um, or mothers will say, do my, does my butt look big in this in front of their kid? What we are inadvertently teaching our children is a lesson that is going to be very, very hard to undo. That's about us. We have to be so very careful about what we are saying and what we are doing. And here's the thing. If I'm cheating my child sees that. They learn from that. I don't even have to tell them. They witness it and they will become what we are. So if we are still working out of a tremendous amount of trauma and background of brokenness and a lot of pain, we maybe we are very controlling in ways that we don't even realize because it was just self-preservation. What do you think we're doing to our children? nine times out of 10, we're probably parenting them in a way that is over-controlling or complete absent parenting. And therefore, we're going to not help what we wanted to, to fix in the first place. We didn't like it then, and our children are going to have the same story. That's great. Yeah, I, I've seen that tons of times. So kind of switching gears a little bit. So 
I have a teenager. I know a lot of parents with teenagers. It gets tough to kind of keep that bond and that relationship going. What, what are some tips that you have, you know, not only from your training, but also from your real life experience? In my house, as for me in my house, my uh, plan is, is that whatever they're doing, I want to be doing with them. Yeah. So I have a child that's really excited about being a pilot. <laughs> he loves car engines. I can care less about car engines, but I listen to hours of conversation and I watch YouTube videos with him about certain engines and about different piloting things. And, 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 and I don't even know how to describe it all because I'm trying to retain it, but I am so not wired that way. I can't even retain the information. I'm trying. Um, thankfully, my children have all been very athletic. So regardless of the sport that they were playing, I can just tell you straight up, I don't like being a wrestling mom. Thankfully, we've moved past, moved past that. But I had to discover that I could go for two minutes without breathing. Yeah. That is not easy on a mom. That is hard. And I didn't love the fact that my children were doing that, but they learned amazing things through it. And I just had to be willing to be part of what they were doing. So they went to homecoming. Well, you know what? I was like, hey, guys, guess what? I'm going to chaperone. I'm going to help set up the decorations. I'm going to be part of what's going on. And thankfully, because we've just been doing that so long, they just expect it and they're, they welcome me <laughs> to do it. <laughs> but I started that when they were young. Mm -hmm. Whatever they are doing, I want to be doing with them, even if it's the thing that I don't really love. It's not maybe a conversation I'm actually really interested in. They would never know. My child has no idea that we're having this conversation and I can't actually tell you the difference between a Dodger and a Charger. He's told me 10 times. <laughs> hey, man, I've, I survived the Minecraft years with my son. I can survive anything. I don't know if you're familiar with Minecraft. Oh, yeah. Man, I was like, man, oh, y'all are, are backtracking. You got all these good graphics and fancy games. You're playing something looks like I would have played. You want these square, these square yeah. things. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about his house. That's and, a great uh, example. I don't That's know what a great this, example. Yeah, but man, I was in it. I, I'm listening. I want to be. I'm, I did what I could, man. I'm not going to lie. I faded a few times, but I did what I could. But yeah, yeah. stuff like that, that, you know, that yes. when they're me in it, I want to be in it, too, because if, if it matters to you, yes. it, it matters to me. That's exactly right. And, you know, uh, the thing about that is I had at the race that you and I kind of our paths kind of crossed over this. I had a mother ask me a very defining question, and I didn't know this whole concept of how do I get my children involved in life together? Like, how do we do this? I didn't realize until this runner asked me, I mean, do you make them come to your races? And I'm like, well, no. And she's like, how do you get them so involved and so interested? I didn't really have a, a great, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I had never thought it through. I have now come to the conclusion and realized through some time that my children are repeating what they see modeled. I'm at all their games. I used to be at all of their practices. I know the plays. I know what the Titans play call is. I know that's a freeze play back in the day. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I know what the signals are. I knew that. So I could come home and I could have conversations say, okay, so how many times is your line going to miss the Titans call? I mean, like, Everybody knows it's a freeze play. You know? <laughs> and so I was invested in what they were doing. But here's the other thing. There is a way to, act, to have conversation. How do you get a teenager to talk? It's not easy. By asking questions that are, um, are open-ended, not yes or no. 
So if we are invested in our children, we can say rather than how was your day? Fine, which is basically yes or no. Yep. Did you have a good day? Yes. You can say, how did that math test go? What, what, what you studied for, was it actually end up being what, you know, was it the right thing to study? Was the study guide right? How is so-and-so teacher doing? She's just been diagnosed with cancer. Was she there? How, how do you think she's doing? So your friend that got COVID recently, is he back yet? How is that going? Um, asking questions that, that they know you were listening because you're giving, you're asking them for feedback back on it rather than yes or no. And then there are times teenagers don't want to talk. And I have said, it's now one of those times you just don't really feel like talking. You're just kind of, bleh. and they said, yeah, I said, you know what? Totally respect it. I understand. How about if we turn the, the radio on? Yeah. And I put in Michael Jackson. There you go. Yeah. I, I take two teenagers to early morning basketball practice. I just let them veg out. They want to listen to their music, not talk. And I'm good with that. Hey man, I get it. They're not awake yet. They're about to be, they do their practices before school. So they're, you know, they're teenagers. They don't want to be up early anyway. They definitely don't want to talk. No. So man, you give them their space. Go, no. Y'all go ahead. Listen to me, whatever you're listening to. That's right. I've had to learn that with my boys, particularly, um, that there are times when they are hungry, not a good time. Nope. It's just not <laughs> and, a good time. And the problem See, is they're always hungry, right? They're always hungry. So you got to pick your battles, right? They are. <laughs> That's our, but we can talk about all kinds of things after they've been fed. Yep. And so, you know, timing is important and it's okay to give them the autonomy to say, now's not a really good time. I'm just, and you know what? The truth is most of the time things are not an emergency. I can tell something's up. It's just not a good time right now to talk about it. They're sorting it out. Well, the same is true for me. Sometimes I have things happen and I need to sort them out before I talk about them first. Yeah. I need to give them the same autonomy that I need. So I ask them, I just flat out say, is this one of those times where it would be better that we talk about it later? I just want you to know that I care. I can tell something's off, you know, it's okay. We all have it. Is it better, you know, to just let it be for right now and give them some autonomy in it always goes better. You know, if you want it, if you want to be respected, I think we need to respect. That's great. So you mentioned that you've kind of use sports as a, a parenting tool. Kind of use, use some examples from your life that maybe people would like to hear. Well, um, I will tell you how it started and that maybe that'll clear it up. Okay, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> um, so I had a day, a defining moment where I had my boys. Um, there was the first day of helmet practice and I was teaching now my older one, we had already kind of been through this, but my younger two, it really kind of honed in with my younger two, who were my middle two kids. And I was telling them how to put the football strap on, you know, on their helmet. And they were completely blowing me off. Like, mom, you do not know. You don't play football. You don't know. Now, in their defense, previous to this in baseball, I had a totally wrong concept of a cup. I had the thing put in, in, in uh, right side up, wrong way. I mean, you know, it just seemed to me like it went better that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I'm sorry, boys, but they were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. I was that's not one you want to. That's not one you want to mess up. By the way, you you need to get that one right. I had all three of my boys in a cup inside upside down. So, <laughs> um, in in their defense, they had reason to suspect that maybe I didn't know all things about sports. So, um, their, their comment that you've never played football before was correct. 
I did not know how to play football. I had not played football, but I did know about this chin strap. They blew me off. Two hours later, we're at practice. The coach is like, hey, boys, it's our first day with helmets. This is how you get it on. Don't forget. Now, when you use this, you've got to get this, this strap on just right. And he told them the exact same thing. I had just told them two hours earlier, and they completely dismissed me. It was the exact same thing. And I'm like, that is the darndest thing. Yep. It's the same thing. And they listened to everything that coach had to say. They were so tuned in to every word. I mean, they just hung on every word. This is peewee football now. They're like yeah. six, seven, eight, something like this. And I realized I could use these coaches as my allies. That my boys are so connected to that relationship with their coaches. They care so much about that relationship and what those coaches think of them. And I have an opportunity to help teach my boys how to navigate that, how to all these parts of sports. I mean, they just loved it. And so there were so many things. How do you lose and do so gracefully? How do you win and do so humbly? What do you do? My boys would come home and get in a suburban and they would be sobbing because the coach was all over their case. I'm like, hey, listen, he's on your case because he sees talent. You need to start worrying when he doesn't care anything about you and he's just blowing you off. Yeah. He likes you. And the boys were like, he doesn't like me anymore. No, actually he does. That's why he's on your case is because he likes you and he sees the talent. And to teach my boys life lessons about how to deal with conflict, how to deal with adversity, how to deal with the smack talking and the trash talking and to let your playing do your talking for you. Um, and that, what do you do? You like, you can emotionally react or logically respond, but you cannot do both equally well. Right. You're going to yeah. have to choose one or the other. In football, that's hard because it's very emotional and it's intense. But I would take opportunities where I saw coaches or another coach on another team or kids start to get too emotional and start making mental errors. And we would talk about it later. Remember when that happened in that game? Guess what that is? That's the mental part of the game that he just lost. And it cost your whole team in penalties. I mean, like 45 yards of penalties is a lot in personal fouls. Sure, yeah. Yeah, so it was things like that. Um, how to overcome pregame anxiety. Oh my goodness. Like my boys would be like, I'm so nervous. And they, that's when they had phones and they would be, uh, well, they still have phones, but they had phones. They were old enough to have phones and they would text me. And our joke is they would need, my son called it a prep talk, <laughs> not a pep talk. He needed a prep talk. <laughs> and he would be in the locker room texting his mommy, like, I am nervous. I'm scared to death. My chest is hurting. My heart is racing. And I am just scared. The kids are huge. Yeah. <laughs> I'm tiny. And we would have to talk about David and Goliath. We would have to talk about what you do with big when you're small. And, and, and to remind them that big is often slow and small can be fast. And you don't let them see you sweat. You know, you go out there and you face it. And I would send my kids out to a ball field many a time with stones just to remind them that even David could fight Goliath as little as he was, but you needed a slingshot, a slingshot, some stones and a big God. <laughs> and 
I just use lessons like that um, to continue talking to them and teaching them about discipline and you know all the things that come with coaching with with sports. Man, yeah, so many life lessons from sports I, I picked up. Well, that's why I that's what I love about your podcast that you, you share other people's experiences and things like that. But what what about parents that either they have little to no knowledge, interest, anything in sports, and neither does a kid. How do how would you suggest do you find some other activity, same wheel, and you just do the same thing, go all in on that? You know what? That's a great question because I have had some parents say, you know, kind of wanting to fuss with me a little bit about the emphasis on sports. I'm passionate about sports because we have 90% of our kids playing sports. And by the age of 13, more than 70% of them will quit because of a negative experience they have in sports, either from a coaching perspective, it's either not fun or their parents don't make it fun. So I have a passion for that, but I will tell you in my upbringing, it was music. It was band. I was blessed to be very musically inclined. I come from a very musical family and, um, and I was very competitive, very competitive in music. And so, um, that is what I, that's how I kind of channeled my, um, my competitive spirit, I guess, so to speak into that form. Um, but there are people who do robotics teams. There are people who are really good at writing and there are, there are incredibly talented young kids who are artists and they can compete in art competitions and in all manner of things. You find out what your kid is good at and you really work with that and you encourage them to, to be involved with them and to go the next step. What is the next step? What would it be to enter your painting into a competition? Like, how cool would that be at 12? You know? And so there are tons of things. The truth is, every kid is gifted at something. That's right. We have to just you gotta find time. it, right? You gotta help them find it, right? So that's cool. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's, that's awesome. Right. So if people want to find you, um, so tell them about your podcast a little bit. So we mentioned a little bit. So what's the name of your podcast again? Yep. It's called the uplift effect podcast. And, um, it shows my picture on there on it's on most all the podcast uh, sites, but you'll see a sky and birds in a V formation. And so, um, that's actually a picture above my home on my farm, uh, here in Alabama. And that was kind of a defining moment during the pandemic where I had this brewing desire to, uh, be able to reach and connect and support parents through podcasting. And I didn't know what to call it. I wasn't really quite sure what I would call a coaching business. And one day, um, I had, well, not one day, every day for like weeks, I had all these birds coming over and I think they're actually geese maybe. And they were just loud quacking. Like they were demanding attention and they were all in these V formations. So I just started Googling, like, what is this V formation? And as I began to read about what a V formation is, how they actually fly in that design and why it is so specific. And I thought it's exactly what I needed in my life. When I was a young mom, I wanted and I needed mothers and parents who had gone just before me enough to help give me hope, encouragement, inspiration, and just a reminder to to say, hey, you're going to get through this. It's not the end of the world. (laughs) It may feel like it, but it's not. And that's what the V formation is. What a V formation is, is birds flying in formation, constantly rotating, but the bird in front 
through a process of moving its wing and creating an airflow helps provide ease for the bird behind it. And then that bird provides ease for the bird behind it. And therefore, they fly in that formation in order to help make the journey together. And I thought, that's what we need. What we need is hope and encouragement support as we make this parenting journey together, because this is not easy. <laughs> Nobody do this if you're not really in ready for a tough task. Raising children is hard. It is very hard. <laughs> and so that's how the V formation, you'll see that on my uh, logo. And what I have done is a variety of um, addressing some specific parenting issues that I come across a lot in coaching. Um, I do a lot of inspirational kinds of talking. I do a lot of it myself, but I have interviewed um, um, other professionals and other podcasters, authors, and I am sort of shifting gears a little bit to talk more about the sports component as I am beginning to write a book about how I have used sports and um, in my parenting journey. So um, I love doing it. I just, I, I love it. And I literally started it in my bed with my Apple phone. It's all no it takes fancy. nowadays. Yeah, that's all you need. I was like, this is great. I'm in my jammies. Nobody knows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my hair's a mess. I mean, it's great. So that's that's what the Uplift Effect podcast is about. Um, I also do, I take clients, I do some coaching with parents to help them. Um, sometimes I will do group sessions um, for a month or so for people who are going through divorce, raising kids in that co-parenting, very, very tough uh, subject. And so um, I also am beginning to write my book. I'm putting all of that now on Patreon. So on all of my sites, people will see it. I am going to start releasing parts and chapters of the book um, into Patreon first. And so um, that's kind of what I'm doing. And I still do videos. I do a lot of uh, this kind of thing so that um, parents can have support for this journey. Cool. Yeah. And I'll, I'll link all your information in show notes. People come check you out, work with you if they need some help out there. Like, hey, man, this parenting thing is, is tough, like you said. So get some help, get some people that fly a little bit ahead of you and know what's going on and can, can uplift you. So that's, that's a great thing. It's a great mental image. And there, remind so. you, that's right. We need reminded that we are going to survive. And I want to read you something. This, I think, really, truly is the heart of why I think this matters. And I wrote this this morning, and I should have told you about this sooner than just now. But today I made a post and it's called, it's just a game, they say. And so this is what I believe about this journey. What I know is this, it may look like just a game and on paper, it is a 60 minute game with a winner and a loser at the end. But the hundred yards that sit between two end zones have provided so many opportunities for lifelong lessons, lifelong relationships, strength that my kids didn't know they had, determination that they that never gives up, a drive that keeps playing regardless of the scoreboard, sportsmanship even when it takes all you have to keep your mouth shut. This discipline learned here spills over. The grit and the focus practiced here spills over. The ability to compete mentally and physically till the very last second of the game, that spills over. And the humility needed to be coachable spills over. The courage to get back up in front of all of the fans and peers spills over. When I sit in the stands on Friday nights, now I sit, I used to walk the fence, 
I don't see just a game beginning or being played. I see my boys playing out their real life and what's needed on these fields will be a huge part of what will be needed when they're 40. The medium is just different. The cheering section will look much different, but I hope the backdrop will always look just as colorful because it happens at sunset. It's just a game mentality is for parents who really need a reality check, but for our kids, it's a field of opportunities. That is why I truly believe that sports offers our kids so much value. And as parents, if we would step into that and help be engaged in an active part of it, I think we could do um, our kids adjust some justice by doing that. We're not gonna have perfect backgrounds, but we can take advantage of this right field that they're playing on and participate and be a part of it. And we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to do it all right, but we can do it good and we can do it very, very well. That's awesome. Yeah, so true, man. I, I learned so many lessons from playing sports myself and I just, I coach football mm -hmm. and I got a message from one of the moms the other day that, hey, I, got, I have my happy son back. So he was depressed, didn't mm -hmm. have any friends. I mean, going through a hard time, like a lot of kids during COVID. And he said, thank you. I mean, it, it just playing football. You know, you think it's just a game, right? I mean, this, who knows what could happen to that kid. If he could continue to spiral down with depression and being alone. And he's had to have that happy son back. How much is that worth to you right there, right? And then sports gave Everything. that back to him. So just finding their yes. thing, right? Helping your kid find their thing and supporting them there. That's great advice right there. It, right, it, oh. it, I, it mattered to me. And, and here's the thing. When I compete in my own sports, guess what? My kids are just equally involved. They come to all of the things and the pouring down rain. And I run 50 Ks for Pete's sake. <laughs> I'm not running something that's over in an hour. And, yeah. they're, and they're out there in the pouring down rain and they're my biggest cheerleaders. And I truly believe it's because they're just doing what they've seen modeled. If we will engage and be involved with our kids. And I think what that mother said to you is so important. Thank you for giving me my happy child back. It is not just a game. No, that's to keep parents in check. <laughs> for the <laughs> yeah. kid, it's everything to them. It's right. not just a game. It's your life. And we can be involved in that. Yeah, I've seen it in my life as well. So before we go, I got to leave you with a dad joke. I mean, that's just my thing. So what yes, is that? I want a dad joke. Yes. What is, what is the opposite of just me? <laughs> the opposite of just me? I don't know. Uh, of Disney. E the opposite of Disney. Oh, the opposite of Disney. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's, it's oh, Datney. I don't know. You got to say Datney. Then it's, it's better if I can point out my knee, but it's Datney. And you're not supposed to laugh, by the way. Don't be laughing at that. So, yeah. Well, hey, thank you so much for all the great advice and all the stuff. I mean, all these hard conversations <laughs> you're having. Appreciate you coming on here. You don't have to laugh at that, by the way. That's that's very polite of you, but um, oh, yeah. listen, here's the funny thing about this. I've quit drinking a blonde roasted coffee because <laughs> I feel sure. <laughs> I mean, I have blonde hair. Your viewers don't know that, but I quit drinking blonde coffee because sometimes those jokes, it just takes me a minute. <laughs> I you should see when I try to tell them. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. I try to tell these at 5 30 AM. They don't always go over so well. So uh, I thank you so much for coming on and thank you for what you're doing out there. I can't wait for the book to come out. It's going to be so cool. It's, I think it's something that's needed right now. So thank you for what you're doing and, and keep up the great work. 
Thank you for having me. Thank you for letting me share my message. And I hope that it encourages parents that you can do this well, job well done. And I am, I'm just thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for what you're doing in the city of Huntsville. We need it more than ever. Takes all of us doing it right. So thank you so much for coming on. We'll stay in touch. Have a great day. All right. Sounds good, Joe. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in that episode. I really appreciate you being here. I also really appreciate our sponsors. I'm very grateful for them to help us spread the word of positivity out there. So please go out and support them. Go fly on Breeze Airways. So I flew on them not too long ago. And I want to tell you a little bit more about them. So their tagline is seriously nice. Is that what your airline is? Most of them aren't these days. Check them out. What they do is they serve underserved markets like Huntsville, Alabama, where I am. You can hardly ever get a direct flight. But I got a direct flight to New Orleans from here, 52 minutes in the air. It was amazing. We did get delayed on the way there and coming back. But guess what? Every step of the way, they told us what was going on, why we were delayed, and they compensated us as well. And you're, what airline does that for you as well? So you need to check them out. They're combining technology and kindness. That's a pretty awesome way to do it, right? Go check out flybreeze.com. If, see if they're in your area. If not, you need to tell them to come here. Go nag them until they come to your area. You got to fly them. You got to check them out. Nice people flying nice people. That's what you want. Also, apparel lab. When you fly on Breeze Air, well, you need to be looking swanky in your t-shirts and your hats, all that. Whatever you need. They can put your face on them. We've done that for people. Go to apparelab.co, not.com.co. Check out their merch catalog. And if you need some ideas of what you can do, they've got some great examples right there. Go check them out. Use promo code relentless save yourself some money go check that out also go refinance your house or at least check out your numbers with my guy dominic garver his website is rocketcitymortgageguy.com or you can call him at 256-714-1429 so he recently just sold saved a local veteran 10 years off his loan and also lowered his monthly payment tell you it's just worth the time to go check him out call him or go to his website let him run your numbers. He's not going to sell you on extra stuff. He's just going to try to help you out. Great dude. Go check him out. Thank you for supporting this podcast. Go out and support our sponsors. We really appreciate them. Have a great day.